said that uh, when you talk about sin, there's the COD, and I'm not talking about cash on delivery. You got your sense of commission, that's the stuff we do. You have your sins of omission, stuff we don't do that we should, and then our sins of disposition. You see, our attitudes affects, affect our attitudes. If we want to walk close to God, we have to examine those attitudes. And there's no better place, I think, to look at this issue than in the beginning of the teaching of Jesus, which we call the Sermon on the Mount. There is a section there in verses 1 through 12 that we refer to as the Beatitudes. And listen, it is the Beatitudes that free us from the me-attitudes that get us in so much trouble. And certainly over the last year and beyond, none of us have been completely happy. It's been a difficult time in different ways. But we need, in order to be freed from those me-attitudes, the Beatitudes of Jesus Christ. And so with that in mind, open your text with me, your Bibles, to Matthew chapter 5. And if you will stand in our great God's honor, when you find the text, I'm going to read it aloud and then pray and we'll jump into the message. Now, when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. Lord, forgive me when I fail to see who you are and who I am. And Father, as we come before you, we want to worship you as the King of kings, high and lifted up. And Father, we're here to worship you. So Father, speak to us. Holy Spirit, it's very clear that if you don't speak, nothing said matters. And so we ask that you have the freedom, Spirit of God, to speak to our hearts, Lord. Thank you for ministering to us so far in this worship service, how you have used your servants in different ways to minister to us and how the Holy Spirit brought to life what was said and, and the worship activities that were done in the honor of jesus and lord we just want to continue to bring you glory so father do that in what remains of this hour in christ's name we pray amen william marston uh, a couple of years ago he interviewed three thousand people and he simply asked them question this question what have you to live for and what really shocked marston was that 94% of the 3,000 people responded not in the moment at all, but in what they hoped for in the future. They were enduring the present while waiting for something to happen. Maybe it was waiting for their children to grow up and to leave home so that they would have uh, more free time. Maybe it's that trip that they had been planning and saving for and waiting to enjoy. But whatever they were waiting and hoping for, they were missing the moment. And guys, I believe in many ways that has happened to so many of us in this past year and during this time of COVID. We're waiting for COVID to end. We're waiting for life to get back to normal. But in the meantime, we may be missing the blessing that God wants for us and the blessing He wants to bring through us. 
you know, it, it, in this time, we've been forced to live with ourselves. Many of the distractions, going to the movies, uh, going to different activities that we're accustomed to, that we had taken for granted, they haven't existed over this past year, so we've been at home with our family more than we planned. And often there have been arguments, domestic abuse is way up, uh, substance abuse is way up, there has been a rash of suicides, and people who find themselves in desperation. William Barclay said this, he said, Human happiness is something that is dependent on chances and changes of life, something life might give, but that life might also take away. Is that true? Is our happiness dependent upon the circumstances that we face? Our Constitution, remember, says these words that we have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I love what Benjamin Franklin uh, said after this was written. He, he said, you know, the, the Constitution says that we have the right to the pursuit of happiness, but we still got to catch it. Happiness is not a guarantee, and happiness is not based merely upon the circumstances that each of us are facing. It is based on an inward attitude of an outlook which is an upward look to the risen one and to our king. Happiness is often elusive because instead of fixing our eyes upon our Savior, we tend to fix our eyes upon our circumstances. And it takes a, a look at the Savior. Uh, Tim mentioned in the devotional we had in, in uh, a prayer group that we're both a part of. He said in the devotional it said that we need to gaze upon Jesus and glance at our circumstances. Instead, we gaze upon our circumstances and glance on Jesus. And there is such a big difference there. Hey, I heard a story about in New York City, we know there's all these people, but they estimate that there's at least 8 million cats. Now that is a lot of cats. Now, Here's the difficulty they're having there because, you know, there are not a lot of backyards, so when your pet dies, uh, there's nowhere, no place to bury them, and it costs $1,500 to put your pet in a pet cemetery. It costs 50 bucks to call someone from the city to come and pick up your cat who is, uh, well, anyway, he's no longer there. So um, this lady came up with a great idea. She said, you know what? She said, uh, this is an opportunity for me. So she started advertising out there that she would come and pick up your dead pet for $25. Take care of it, dispose of it. So she went to um, a thrift shop, bought up all the suitcases she did for about two bucks a piece that she found. She took them home, and then when she started getting calls, she would go, she would pick up the cat, she'd put it in the dead suitcase, she'd get on the uh, New York train, and uh, being at the part of the day that was the busiest, she would set the suitcase down and pretend like she wasn't watching and wait for a thief or a pickpocket to come by, grab the suitcase, and jump off the train and run away. And then she would meekly say, A thief, thief. What a plan, huh? 
You know, it, it seems when you think about it, this is a world that is running after suitcases they think hold something which will bring them happiness. That's only Christ. Only Christ can bring that fulfillment. As we look in the Beatitudes, nine times in nine verses, we have a word that could be translated happy, blessed, fortunate, enviable. And Jesus is showing us what our attitudes are to be. Uh, it tells us in Philippians 2, chapter 5, some translations, it says, Have this mind in you which is in Christ Jesus. In the NIV, uh, it says, we are to have the same attitude that is in Christ Jesus. So what we're going to look at over these next weeks is what that attitude is which Jesus wants us to have. The word blessed here, it could literally be translated supreme happiness. So, as we jump into here... Um, the word poor, look at verse 3. He tells us, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There were two types of people in Jesus' day when they spoke of the poor. There were those who had jobs, and it took literally all the income that they earned to get enough food to survive each day. Everything they had. They just barely were able to survive but then there was another type of poor this was the one who did not earn enough in order to live in order not to starve to death they were dependent upon someone else to show them charity and to help them and this is the word that is being used here it is the concept that there is no way for you to get to heaven unless you depend upon another the one who enjoys heaven the one who enjoys supreme blessing supreme happiness is the one who places their confidence in the savior jesus christ and finds that mercy you see we are all bankrupt spiritually we have nothing that we can bring before god that is going to impress him that is going to ultimately please him Nothing that we have in and of ourselves that is going to bring the smile of, of God upon us and thus earn salvation. It tells us in Romans seven eighteen, Paul says, I know that there's nothing good that dwells in me. What he was basically saying is, I need Jesus. My hope, my attitude, my strength for tomorrow, it all comes from my relationship with a living God through Jesus Christ, who is my Savior. Thomas Watson, a Puritan of old in the 1600s, I want to share with you some of his words. Watson writes, This signifies those who are brought to the sense of their sins and seeing no goodness in themselves, despair in themselves, and appeal wholly to the mercy of God in Christ. Until we are poor in spirit, we cannot receive grace for we are swollen with self-excellency and self-sufficiency. If the hand to be full of pebbles, it cannot receive gold. Until we are poor in spirit, Christ is never precious. We only see our wants 
and never see Christ's worth. You see, to come to Christ, we must understand that we are bankrupt spiritually. But as we walk with Christ, that attitude remains because we understand that the same grace that saved us from our sin is the same grace that is needed to sustain us until we get to heaven. In our daily walk, we need that same grace to empower us and to guide us so that we can walk in the power of God. A, a couple of verses, Isaiah 66, 2, these words are found. God says, this is the one I esteem. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. And, and so the picture here is God saying, the one that I look to with favor is the one who's humble, who understands that they don't have it all together. They need me. They need the Lord. Humble in heart, contrite, and I love that, trembles at my word. Sometimes I think about that section of Scripture, and it's so convicting to me. How often do I step back and really tremble at the Scriptures and the power of God speaking to me? Um, another verse, Psalm 34, 18. God is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Are you brokenhearted? Do you feel crushed? God's close. I love that. He is close to the one who's desperate for him, who longs for him. And then one more, Psalm 51, verse 17. The sacrifices of God are broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. You see, it is easy to tell others what we have and to make that known, but God calls us to be aware of what we lack and to hunger and to thirst for Him and to long for Him. We're not to be, remember the tax collector and the Pharisee, and the Pharisee stood and he beat his chest and he said, God, thank you, I'm not like that son. You know, that's the Freeman translation here. This low life, and, you know, I'm, I'm godly. And then he proceeded to give a list of why others should see him as godly. But then it spoke about the tax collector and it said he fell down. He said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And that's to be the attitude that directs us. God, have mercy on me. God, I desperately need you within my life. Okay, again, a few more words from uh, Puritan Pastor Thomas Watson. Children, do you grieve that you are so bad? Do you go from moment to moment needing God's supply? Do you complain to God that you lack grace? Do you complain that you need a broken heart, a thankful heart? These are good signs that you are poor in spirit and the kingdom of heaven belongs to you. When Jesus says here, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, it is a present participle verb which means it is yours not when you go to heaven, it's yours now. It is continually yours the kingdom of heaven. By faith in Christ, it's yours. The Beatitudes 
are to be our attitude. That is the work that God wants to do with you and I. Two surprising appearances of happiness. Remember when the angel appeared to Mary and she was given the revelation that she was going to give birth to the Messiah, to the Christ child. And then she had this song of praise. And, and so in Luke 1.48, she said, From now on, all generations will call me blessed. Now, on first sight, uh, did she look blessed? I mean, there were people gossiping about her. And you're like, oh, this, how, how could she be pregnant? What's really happening here? And she had to endure some of that, that gossip, the, the maligning of others who doubted what really had happened to her. She was trying to hide something. And, and then they were killing babies, children, two-year-olds. And she and Joseph and, and the baby, they had to flee. They had to go to Egypt. They had to, they had to run away. And it was a difficult time for her. And still that lie would persist. And, and there would still be others who did not believe the truth of who she was and, and what her job, what her calling was. And even when Jesus went to the cross, she didn't fully understand it. In Acts chapter 1, verse 14, they find her in the upper room with a group of people, and they're praying. <laughs> they're praying, God, show us, reveal to us. She had difficult circumstances, but she was blessed not because of the difficult circumstances. You see, the blessing of God is not based upon being free from pain and difficulty. The blessing of God is that we are able to persevere and to move forward in the midst of the difficulties and of the pain that is faced. It says in James chapter 5, verse 11, As you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. God empowers us to do what we could never do alone. When we think we are finished, we need to remember what he said at the cross. It is finished. He is there in spite of the pain and in spite of what we face. It is not the absence of the pain. It is the presence of God as we face the pain and the victory as we are able to persevere and endure. And that attitude is to be what marks us, as Marcia said in her testimony, that attitude of joy that comes from the Spirit of God. Um, Johnny Erickson Tata, years ago as a teenager, she was in an accident where she dove into some shallow water. And as a result of that, she ended up paralyzed, quadriplegic, in a wheelchair. And for years now, um, she has been a faithful person in the gospel who has shared, she has a ministry with handicapped and has just been a real blessing to the church, to God's people. And one day she was at a women's conference and a woman came to her and she said, uh, Johnny, you were just so impressive. The joy that you exude, I just want to be like you. And, and I want to share with you uh, her response that she said. This lady said, I don't know how you do it, Johnny. Here's what she said. 
I don't do it. In fact, let me tell you how I woke up this morning. This is my average day. After my husband, Ken, leaves for work at 6 a.m., I am alone until I hear the front door open at 7 a.m. That's when a friend arrives to get me up. While I listen to her make coffee, I pray. Lord, my friend will soon give me a bath, get me dressed, sit me up in my chair, brush my hair and teeth, and send me out the door. I don't have the strength to face this routine one more time. I have no resources. I don't have a smile to take into this day, but you do. May I have yours? So whatever joy you see today is hard won this morning. She closes by saying, In reality, it is only what I beg from God today. Church, may all of us be beggars each day. God, give me your smile. God, give me your joy. Help me to gaze at you instead of the circumstances, Lord. May I glance at them. Give me your joy. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word, Lord, for the attitudes that Jesus places within his people, the redeemed ones, Lord. And, Father, this is not of our strength. The hope of heaven and the assurance that we have, it is not from us, it's you. And so, Father, transform us to be like Jesus. Lord, do a work in us that can only be explained by you. And, Father, um, I pray if there is anyone here who needs to trust you for salvation, and for that new start, forgiveness of sin, what a great day it is. So, Lord, may anyone respond that needs to. And, and Father, for those of us who have been in the faith for a long time now, some of us, um, Father, give us your smile. Give us your heart, Lord. May we look to you. And, Father, may we trust in you. Lord, just, just work. We need you, Lord. Help us to remember, Father, that we should not trust in what will happen. We should trust in what has happened and is happening by the Spirit of God who lives inside of us, Lord. This is a world that needs you, that needs hope, that has been desperate. May we give them your joy and your hope. May the gospel go forth, not heard just merely here in this building, but heard out in the community as we leave this week. Guide us and lead us for the glory of God. Lord, we ask in this time we call response or invitation, Lord, that as you speak, we would just simply obey whatever that may be because that is what is needed, Lord. In Christ's name we pray.